Bless the Lord. Thank you so much. So glad to be back with you all this morning. That was an awesome worship today, guys. That was that was that was that was powerful. Thank you so much. We missed y'all last week. We were ministering at our friends uh, Paul and Sandy Ward's church in Dallas. I had a great time with them. I'll be praying for them. Sandy's sister passed away this week. Um, Joanne Jeter is a great friend of ours, awesome woman of God. And they know where she is in heaven, but uh, still it's a grieving time. So be in, be in prayer for them. All right, we're in a sermon series called The Necessity of an Enemy. And I want to remind you that the call to follow Christ is a call to a, a lifetime of warfare. Some people may not have told you that up front, but I'm telling you that. And we, we, we have three main enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we need to know who we're fighting, and we need a strategy for each enemy. Not all of our battles are with demons. Some are, and that's why we need to understand spiritual warfare. And we've taught you on that many, many times. But, but we have another enemy called the, the flesh, and Pastor Anthony preached a brilliant message last week on that. That was, that was just a, a powerful message. And uh, our flesh is not just our bodies, but uh, the re- unrenewed part of our soul, our mind, our will, and, and, and our emotions. It's our mind that doesn't think the things of God. And it's our, our will that's not totally submitted to the, the ways of God. And, and, and uh, it, it's selfishness is, is the flesh. It's self-centeredness. It's when we live for self rather than God, when we go our way rather than God's way, when we live by our truth rather than God's truth. And we're in a lifetime battle between the, the spirit, which wants to please God, and the flesh, which wants to please yourself. The spirit, which wants to live for God, and the flesh, which wants to live for yourself. And there's only one way to really deal with the flesh. Romans 6:11 said, reckon yourself indeed to be dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can't improve your flesh. You can't make it better. You must die to it. Dying to self overcomes the flesh. Spiritual warfare overcomes the devil. But many believers do not understand that that our struggle is not just with the devil and not just with ourselves and our own flesh, but we have a third enemy called the world. And I'm preaching to you today a message called the War of the Worlds because we are in a battle, each one of us, not just with the devil and, and demonic forces, not just with our own flesh, but, but with the world. And in John 17, 14 through 18, Jesus prayed this high priestly prayer, and he prayed for all believers because he said, I'm not praying just for these ones who believe now, but those who will believe in my name. That's all of us. And he said this about us. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. Hope you get this down. The world's going to hate you if you live for Jesus. Y'all real quiet on me right now. But I'm, I'm, these are red letters in your Bible. This is Jesus speaking. The world will hate them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Jesus says that his followers are not of this world. That means that that they do not belong to this world. And he says, actually, they will be hated by the world. 
Being not of the world means that we do not get our standards, our morals, our beliefs, our way of thinking, our way of living from the world. We do not think the way the world thinks. We do not talk the way the world talks. We do not live as the people of the world live. If we start doing that, we can do the world no good. Jesus said, we're not of this world, but he said, but we are sent into the world as ambassadors of another world, another kingdom, the kingdom of God. And I want you to get this today, that the the word world is not speaking about planet earth. He's not saying don't love the planet. But it's the current order of things in our world. The Greek word for world is cosmos. It's the opposite of another Greek word, which is chaos. And Vine's Bible Dictionary says that cosmos is an arrangement, a harmonious order. And the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament says cosmos speaks of human order. Now, on the surface, that may not sound so bad. What's wrong with human order? But here's the thing, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that Satan is the God of this world. I want you to get this. He's the God of this world. Not the planet. The order of things. Mankind was created to rule and reign on the earth. But when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, that's called the fall of man. And when they fell into sin, they forfeited their rule to Satan. Why do you think Satan was able to say to Jesus when he tempted him? He took him up on a high mountain and said, here's all the kingdoms of the world. I will give them to you if you bow down and worship me. See, he's the God of this world. God of the kingdoms of this world. And so mankind, Adam and Eve, they they just forfeited their rule to Satan, and and the the domain that was originally intended for man to rule, it fell to Satan, and he is now the God of this age, the prince of this world. And the cosmos, this present order, and the systems that rule the world are under the destructive rule of Satan. Now listen, when you understand this, when you really understand this, you will never blame God for any of the disorder and evil in this sinful, confused, disease, tragedy-ridden, and tormented world. Because Satan is the God of this world. 1 John 5, 19 says, We know that we are the children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. you got to get this. We are the children of God, and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. That's why we are in this war of the worlds. The war between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, uh, uh, God's kingdom and, and the worldly ways of man. And Satan is in control of all the worldly systems, including the political system, the education system, entertainment, media. By the way, none of those things are wrong in themselves. And I'm not saying that anybody who is in any of those systems, because all of us are in some system of, of the world, that, that doesn't make you evil or wrong. But when Satan is God of them, when he He is controlling them. They are designed to pull people away from God's truth and lead them into darkness. Pull them out of light into darkness and into deception. We're in a war. We're in a war. The Theological Dictionary of the New Testament says one of the ways the word cosmos was used in ancient times 
was to describe the order of rowers in an ancient rowboat. Rowers. To get anywhere, they all had to row in the same direction. You get that? If if I'm rowing this way and my wife's rowing rowing that way, we're not going to get anywhere. We've got to row in the same direction. And Satan, as God of this age, God of this world, God of this present darkness, is trying to line everything up so, so he can row everything towards him and away from God. And Satan wants to order the things of this world. He wants to order them. And when he does that, it always ends up in disorder. He disguises his order as a man-made order, but he is God of it. Now listen, he's working overtime to get politicians, educators, entertainers, and media all rowing in the same direction. Please hear me. He works to get politicians to legislate against the laws of God. He works to get judges to rule against the ways of God. He works to get educators to teach against the truths of God. He works to get entertainers to mock the people of God. He works to get the media to distort the things of God. And when the God of this world has all those people, all those systems rowing in the same direction, it's a powerful force. That's why the war of the worlds in this war, it always feels like we're rowing against the current. Running against the wind. When we were in Florida a few weeks ago, Deb and I went, we always love to go kayaking in the mangroves back in the, and uh, there's these little channels you go through and it's just really beautiful and, and we love rowing. And, and there's, a, there's a current on the way in. Then you get, you know, a mile or two in, you have to turn around and come back. And all of a sudden, you're rowing against the current, and everything becomes twice as hard. That's the way it feels. These days, when we're standing for God's truth, when we're standing for God's way, it feels like we're, we are rowing against the current because of the power of the world systems that are all rowing together. I'll give you an example. Think about the world's agenda to legalize marriage between people of the same sex. Now, some people are going to get upset with me today probably because I'm going to talk about some stuff because the world has, has really uh, affected the way even many Christians believe. Because God clearly says, and Jesus said it, it's in the New Testament, Jesus says, for this cause a man will, will leave his parents and be joined to his wife and they will become one flesh. That's the Bible way. One man, one woman is a biblical God-ordained marriage. By the way, if you're going to fight against the world, you're going to have to make a decision that you're going to believe the Word of God and stand on the Word of God no matter what. But see, politicians began to row in this direction, and judges began to decide cases in that direction. University teachers began to teach in that direction. The media, the movies, and TV began to promote that direction. And they began to mock Mock those who, who, who don't believe. Mock those who are rowing in the opposite direction. And when you get all those forces rowing in the same direction, it's a powerful force. That's why the God of this world has been successful in normalizing and popularizing behavior that the Bible calls sin. 
the God of this world can make something that's not true seem true. This week, the whole world is up in arms because the Supreme Court allowed a Texas law to pass that refused to allow abortion after six weeks, after a baby's had a detectable heartbeat. And the world, you turn your TV on. They're going crazy. And many believers buy into this mindset. They've heard it so long. Well, it's a woman's right to choose. Well, it's, it's her body. No, 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 no. You are not your mother. You're a distinct human being. And the Bible, if you read your Bible, the Bible says God knit you together in your mother's womb. Yeah, you were inside your mama, but you're not your mama. You are a distinct human being. And that began at the moment of conception. And the Bible even says God has a call on your life, even while you were in your mother's womb. You're not just a blob of flesh that somebody can eliminate up until the moment you're born. That's what I believe the Bible says. But there's so many believers now that are are just falling into this trap, and it's the worldly way of thinking. Well, it's about reproductive health. And there's all these euphemisms, which are words or phrases used to lessen the impact of a word. But when it boils down to it, from a biblical perspective, you're killing a human being created by God. But people are in an uproar. This is why we need people of faith in politics, in courtrooms, in classrooms, in movies, on TV. We need people of faith to take stand, take a stand and to be light in darkness. Philippians 2, 14 through 16 says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Are you hearing this? Among whom you shine as lights in the world. How? By holding fast the word of life. Once you give that up, you're no different than the rest of the world. And I know a lot of people have tried to boil worldliness down just to the way you dress or whether or not you wear makeup or whether or not you watch TV or all those kind of things. But this goes way beyond that. They try to just make it external. You can externally look different and you can do all those things. But it starts with your heart and it starts with the way you think. And it starts with you choosing the word of God over the word of the world. Jesus said we're the light of the world. But listen, too many people are thinking they can somehow reach the world better if we would water down the Bible. Don't talk about those controversial things. You're going to get people uh, uh, upset. But we we need to try to be be friends with the world. (laughs) Sounds reasonable, right? But the Bible says in James 4.4, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? I'm reading your Bible to you today. Anyone, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. We are not called to befriend the world order, but to overcome it. How do we win this war of the world? And I'm talking about winning it for ourselves, winning it for our families, winning it for our church, winning it for the next generation. First of all, we win this war of the world through faith. We've got to be people of faith. The Bible tells us how to overcome the world in 1 John 5, 4 through 5. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. That ought to tell you something right there. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. 
Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? It takes faith in Jesus to overcome the world. It takes faith in God's word to overcome the world's words. It, it takes faith in the Holy Spirit to overcome worldly and demonic spirits. And, and through faith we can, through faith we will win this war of the world. But the reason we seem to be choosing, seem to be losing the war is that so many Christians are buying into the world's wisdom rather than standing in God's wisdom. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says this about unbelievers. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from Seeing the light of the gospel to the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, and that's true towards people who are not believers in Jesus Christ. Satan has blinded them. But there are people who are believers who have areas in their life that they do not believe. That they chose to believe something else over the world. And whenever you rationalize sin and excuse it and come up with some other way to, to say, well, it's okay because of these certain circumstances I have, you, you, are, you are an unbeliever in the word of God about that area. And the enemy is working hard to keep you blinded, to keep you from seeing the truth, to keep you away from the truth of God, and to keep you away from totally trusting Jesus and having faith in him. And in order for that to not happen to us, in order for us to not be blind in our lives, in order for us to have spiritual sight, in order for us to overcome the world, we must be grounded in God's Word. It's a constant theme you hear from me. It's why we do grace journey. It's why we have classes. It's why we have small groups. It's why we have discipleship. We need to know the Word of God. The second way we win the war of the world is by renewing our minds with God's Word. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Conform is like you're pressed into this mold. Listen, the world's got pressure on you. You feel the pressure. You feel it when you watch TV. You feel it when you listen to music. You, you feel it when you're around people. This, this pressure to conform to the world's pattern. The Bible says, don't do that. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you renew your mind by replacing worldly thoughts and, and fleshly thinking with the, the Word of God. Listen to the rep message version of this. I love this. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. That's transformation. Not outside in, not just changing the way you look or the way you dress. Change from the inside out, from the heart, from the mind. Readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, listen, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. The spirit of the world is working overtime to eliminate the truth of God from our culture. Listen, people want to eliminate God's truth from our culture and replace it with deception. Ed, don't let me forget to pray for you at the end of this service. I was supposed to do it earlier. Don't let me forget. So let me tell you something. Listen to me closely. If you're getting more input from mainstream media, and social media than from the Word of God, 
The resulting deception, the resulting fear, the resulting confusion, the resulting discouragement in your life is self-inflicted. Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive. Through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. Unfortunately, many believers have been taken captive by the world. It's true, and I've got statistics to prove it. It's sad. I saw it this week. <clears throat> Excuse me. But from about the results of recent re- research from Barna Research that says, <clears throat> excuse me, only 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview. And for the purposes of the research, the biblical worldview is defined as believing that absolute moral truth exists. Now, the world does not believe in absolute truths. People will tell you that. There is no absolute truth. And I always ask them, are you absolutely sure? Because they just made an absolute statement right there by saying there is no absolute truth. Well, that is an absolute. That's how confused it is. A biblical worldview believes in absolute truth. That truth is defined by the Bible. And you, you believe in six major things. That Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. That God is all-powerful and all-knowing ruler of the, and creator of the universe. Salvation is a gift from God and cannot be earned. Satan is real. Christians, Christians have a responsibility to share their faith with other people, and the Bible is accurate in all their teaching. The data found that whilst 51% of Americans say they have a biblical worldview, only 6% of American adults do. That means many people who call themselves Christians do not have a biblical worldview. They believe in Jesus but they also believe in their horoscope and reincarnation. And the, many of them believe in salvation by works. Well, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I believe, you know, my friend doesn't believe, but they're, they're good. They're not a bad person. They're, they're going to go to heaven. They believe that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. Yeah, Jesus is a way, but, but there's other ways too. They, they believe there's no devil. They believe there's no, no hell. There, there's been people that go to this church that believe those things. They've told me that. And one of the striking things about this research was the influence that worldly thinking had on people's behavior. Get this. This is why it's so important. The way you think determines the way you live. Adults with a biblical worldview possessed radically different views on morality and made vastly different lifestyle choices. When comparing those with a biblical worldview and those who don't, the people with a biblical worldview are 31 times less likely to accept cohabitation as a lifestyle. That's living together outside of marriage. 18 times less likely to endorse drunkenness. 15 times less likely to condone gay sexual relationships. 12 times less likely to accept profanity. 11 times less likely to define adultery as morally acceptable. acceptable. Less than one half of 1% of those with a biblical worldview said that abortion was acceptable. The research also showed that less than one out of three people who say they are born-again Christians believe in absolute moral truth. Once you get, once you get there, you're a sitting duck for the devil. For anything. And the surveys found, this is what's so sad, Few Americans turn to their faith as primary guide for moral and ethical decisions. 
Who do they turn to? Themselves? The world? Only 13% of people make decisions based on the principles taught in the Bible. And without a biblical foundation, people turn to the world's philosophies. If it feels good, do it. Everybody's doing it. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, it's okay. And the result is this mentality that, that values relativism and, and tolerance and self above the truth of the Bible. That's why we've got to win the war of the worlds by transforming our minds with the Word of God. And that only happens when you believe the Bible is true, the Bible is authoritative, the Bible applies to every single area of your life. The, the Bible is not something just to be heard, but it's something to obey. We're not just hearers of the Word, we're doers of it. We've got to be grounded in the truth of God's Word. We've got to choose to believe it and choose to obey it. We can't allow the spirit of the word world to cause us to doubt God's word. Listen, you've got to make a choice today. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we are living in a culture that's full of arguments and full of pretension and pride and haughtiness as it sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we've got to take all our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. The, the world wants your mind. The world wants you mind, your mind. And, and, and so it gradually builds these strongholds with arguments, with pretenses, with, with thoughts that the, you hear day after day, hour by hour. And, and it results in this deceived way of thinking and reasoning that becomes established in your mind unless you demolish it. And we must demolish the lies of the world with the truth of God's word. That's why we've got to guard our hearts. The Bible says, above all things, guard your hearts. And we've got to guard our children. Many Christians are allowing their children to be way too familiar with the world and and more influenced by our culture than the Word of God. Far too many parents have given up their role as gatekeepers for their children. And allowing worldly and even demonic influences into their home. The the main culture is is just TV, internet, music, video games. All those things in themselves are not bad. They can be used for good. They can be used for evil. And they're great when they're used in moderation. And when someone is filtering what the children are watching. It's so easy to let the TV or the tablet become the babysitter. I, I get that. But parents... You have a responsibility to raise your children in the fear and admonition of the God of the Lord. You decide what comes in in your household. And you've got to be aware what your children are watching, the games they're playing, the music they're listening to, the friends they're hanging out with. Those things are influencing them 24-7. And there's times that you might have to say, not in my house. You will not watch that. You will not listen to that. You will not hang out with that crowd. You will not go out of here wearing that. I love you too much to allow that in our house or in your life. Don't be mean, but be firm. You're the parent. They don't need you to be their friend. They need the parent. Turn the TV off and spend some time together. Don't leave all the biblical education for your children to the church. We have them one hour a week. 
Maybe two if you come on Wednesdays. But you got to teach your children at home. And unfortunately, that's not happening too much. Listen, the statistics I read to you earlier, the older you are, the more you have a biblical worldview. The, The younger the generation, the less of a biblical worldview. Most young people today, even those raised in the church, do not have a biblical worldview. Approximately 70% of those who are raised in church disengage from it in their 20s. We've seen that in so many families. One third of Americans under 30 claim to have no religion. Listen to this. Just one out of 10, 10% of our country's born-again teenagers believe in absolute moral truth. That statistic is no different from that of non-born-again teens. Worldly thinking has crept into our children, and Christian families and churches must prioritize this matter if the Christian community is going to have any power, any influence, any distinctiveness in America today. That's why in these coming years, we've been talking about it as elders and an apostolic team. We've got to put our focus on children and youth and young adults and young families and help them be raised up in the ways of God. We've got to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Thirdly, to win the world the of the the world. Listen, we've got to love God more than the world. It starts in the heart. 1 John 2, 15 through 16 says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has, we preached on this before. These are the three temptations we all face, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those don't come from the Father. Those come from the world. And if you love that, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, if you love those things, the Bible says the love of the Father is not in you. Now listen, we've got to differentiate between the people of the world whom God loves and the worldly system that's opposed to God in all his ways who we must not love. God doesn't want to take us out of the world, but God wants to take the world out of us. And that only happens when we love him more than we love the world. James 4.4 says, you adulterous people. This is James speaking to believers. James, the brother of Jesus Christ. Speaking to to believers, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. The adultery he's talking about here is not between a a, a man and someone who's not his spouse, but it's about having a relationship with the world that is closer than your relationship to God. Where you're more in love with the world than you're in love with God. Staying free of of the world's ways is not about legalism. It's about love. Who do you love most in the depths of your heart? Do you truly love God more than anyone and anything? You can sing the passage and the songs all day. Lord, I love you more than anything. But do you really? To win this war, you've got to love God more than anything else. Number four, to win the war of the worlds, we've got to die to the world. Paul said in Galatians 6.14, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, through which, through the cross, 
The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul says there's a double effect of the cross here. The world is dead to me. I'm dead to the world. The world Paul was speaking of here was his, his past, the world before he was a, a believer. The war, you can read about in Philippians where he says he's, he gave all these things about his past and his upbringing and his, his Pharisaic traditions, his zeal for the law. He even persecuted the church. Everything he lived for before he had that Damascus Road encounter with Jesus Christ. To him, Paul's saying, now all of this is dead to me. I have been separated from it by the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It has no more appeal to me. It has no more influence on me. I am dead to that, and that is dead to me. Listen, what happened to Paul must happen to us. We've all got to have this encounter. We've also all got to come to this place. The cross must do its work in us for us to die to the world. To where we're dead to the world and the world is dead to us. How do we know when that's happened? Well, Colossians 2.20 says this. Since you have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world, why do you keep on following the rules of the world as though you still belong to it? He's saying, you've changed kingdoms. You've changed worlds. You're no longer part of that world. You've died to that world. So why are you still living as though you were part of it? Why do you still live as though it controls you? Why do you still give in to its pull? Why do you still give in to its influence? And, and listen, you know that, that, you, that you're dead to the world when you no longer feel like you belong to it. You'll feel like a stranger in this land. I'm just passing through. My home is somewhere else. And you no longer submit to the ways of the culture. And lastly, to win the war of the worlds requires the power of God. Winning the war against the world is not something you can do in your own strength. Listen to this. 1 John 4, 3-4 says, The spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming... Is already in the world. That was back then, 2,000 years ago, when that was wrote. That was written. <laughs> Sorry. The Antichrist spirit already in the world. The Antichrist spirit is the spirit of this age, the spirit of the world. When I grew up, listen to me, when I grew up in elementary school, we said the Pledge of Allegiance. They read a passage from the Bible, and we prayed every day in school. The culture was way different. The culture was way different. But this Antichrist spirit now wants to remove God and God's truth from everything. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, overcome these, the, this, the spirit of this age and the ways of the world because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You've got to get this down. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And it's interesting to me that the names of the Holy Spirit shows what he does and everything he does counteracts 
attacks the devil and the world that he is God of. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is greater than a worldly, unclean spirit. The Spirit of truth is greater than the world's deceptions and the world's lies. The Comforter is greater than the heaviness you feel in the world. The Spirit of wisdom is greater than the world's wisdom. The Spirit of grace is greater than the world's condemnation. The Spirit of life is greater than infirmity and death. The Spirit of adoption is greater than an orphan spirit. The Spirit of the fear of the Lord is greater than a spirit of fear. The Spirit of joy and gladness is greater than a spirit of depression. Greater is the Spirit of God in us than the Spirit that is in this world. And with faith in Christ, with our minds renewed by the Word of God, when we love God more than anything else, when we're dead to the world, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can win the war of the world in Jesus' name. Hallelujah! Now what's God saying to you today? Are there some ways that worldly thinking has got into your life? Are are there maybe some things you need to do at home to kind of tighten things up with your kids? Is there maybe a lack of love in your heart towards God? Maybe you love other things too much. Or have you gotten away from seeing the Word of God as being absolute truth? Lord, I pray for everybody today in the name of Jesus that you would speak to all of us because all of us have had ways that the world has impacted us and influenced us greater than you have in some areas of our life. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us any worldly deception, worldly thinking, worldly living. God, we don't want to be of this world. We want to be of you, of your spirit, of your kingdom, of your people, of your word. I pray for those who don't know you, who the enemy has blinded their eyes to the knowledge of truth. I pray you would open their eyes and draw them to yourself. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.